This is the Fertile Mindset Podcast, where we explore all the emotional aspects of fertility to support you on your path to parenthood. My name is Sarah Holland. I'm the Fertile Mindset Coach and a mother to two children after my own fertility challenges. I hope you find all the support and inspiration you need within this podcast to carry you forward on your fertility journey towards your own successful outcome. It's also my wish that through listening to these episodes, you rediscover how to enjoy life now and live it to the full while you wait for your baby. Now, let's begin today's episode. Hello and welcome back to the Fertile Mindset podcast. We are on our fourth episode of this new series and I've been receiving lots of lovely feedback telling me how much you're enjoying these conversations and I am so pleased to hear that. As I put this series together and recorded each of these chats, it did feel very special because these are the conversations around the fertility experience that need to be happening. All too often, people think that they are alone in how they are struggling and how they feel that they're not coping with the emotional challenges fertility issues bring. And I hope that through listening to this podcast, you feel the support and the understanding that is available to you. If you are enjoying the podcast and finding it helpful, could I ask a small favour? Could you please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or a rating on Spotify or on Audible too. The more reviews and ratings, but especially the reviews the podcast has, the more likely it is that other people will find it and then they can plug into this support too. Thank you so much for taking the time to write a review. I really, really do appreciate it. So on to today's episode, which features the lovely Emily Ginn, who I got to know a couple of years ago when the Clubhouse live chat app was launched. I was joining the fertility support chat rooms and heard Emily speaking with a real depth of true understanding about the mindset side of fertility. As Emily and I were on such a similar wavelength, we shared many chat rooms on Clubhouse. And then more recently, I was a guest on her brilliant podcast, IVF This. And so here we are, continuing our chat today about all things mindset. And I really loved where this conversation took us, exploring the difference between happiness and mindset and why it is more important to work on mindset. Now, if you're already a member of the Sanctuary or are joining us today when this episode goes out live, you will be able to join us at a lovely festive masterclass happening inside the membership called Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. This class will help you release Christmas stress and make sure that you can enjoy the next couple of weeks in the way that you want to. Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas is a live class, but it's also being recorded so you can catch up later too if you're joining the Sanctuary after today. Remember the link to join us at the Sanctuary is fertilemindset.com slash sanctuary. Okay, so let's now listen to my chat with Emily Ginn. Hello, Emily. Welcome to the Fertile Mindset podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you today? I'm so wonderful, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it's a real pleasure. After I was lucky enough to be on your podcast not that long ago, um, it's yeah, it's lovely to have you back and, and return the favor and, and have another conversation. I think we could just talk and talk forever. Agreed. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, 
before we get into everything and I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself and you know share a little bit about yourself and the work you do but I'm just so pleased that you're here talking about all things mindset all things about how our complicated minds work because I think it's a mystery to many of us that it's something that um, you know becomes even more obvious when we face a challenge like fertility issues um, yes. that our mind can take on this life of its own and the more we can understand and the more we can you know not be scared of our thoughts and our emotions and have strategies that work and so on um, you know the easier life becomes and the more fulfilling it becomes and and yeah I'm just so pleased that we can talk all about this I'm really really looking forward to it oh I'm so excited yes this talking about mindset is my favorite thing in the entire world because I do think it is the secret sauce for you know happiness gets gets this like this idea of happiness is the Shangri-La it's the thing to achieve but I actually, the way that I think about mindset, the way I think about happiness, we actually want to experience about 50, 50, 50% of the time, we're going to be dealing with some really tough, hard, maybe painful or uncomfortable feelings. And 50% of the time we're going to be experiencing the more comfortable feelings like happiness and joy and, and things like that. And so I think helping people to understand just that principle, that the goal is not to be happy hundred percent of the time. I think that actually unlocks a lot of things. So mindset is my absolute favorite thing to talk about. Fantastic. Yeah. And I agree with that. Gosh, trying to achieve a hundred percent happiness. <laughs> We're yeah. always going to be failing. And yeah, exactly. So yeah, let's be realistic as well. So let's start with you then, Emily, and learn a little bit more about you and how you came to do this work and work in the area of fertility as well. Yeah. Um, so I... Originally, I went to university and I studied social work. I have a master's degree in social work and a master's degree in healthcare administration. So for about 15 years of my career, I worked as a social worker in healthcare, uh, doing a lot of different things. So uh, grief and loss, hospice or palliative care, trauma was a big area of focus for me. And then kind of as I rose through the ranks, more administrative and leadership roles, and I came to the world of infertility, honestly, just through my own experience. Um, my husband and I experienced 10 years of primary and secondary infertility. We have both male and female factor infertility. Um, so we have, we've spent, again, I said 10 years, literally from start to finish. And we just had our third and final child in April of 2022. So just about five months ago. And that's, that's kind of wrapping up our journey. So all told 10 years, and I used kind of my experience, particularly those first three or four years that were very, very challenging, personally, very guttural, very visceral, very traumatic, um, as kind of an idea when I decided to leave more of the therapy, more of the leadership, more of the, the healthcare area. And I decided I wanted to help people in a very different way. I wanted to do coaching specifically around mindset because what I didn't understand those first few years was that what was making the experience more difficult, infertility in general is a 
difficult, challenging, oftentimes traumatic experience. What was making it more difficult was how I was thinking about myself and the experience. Mm. And so when I kind of was able to step away from that and, and zoom out, I was, I, I really was like this epiphany for me, like, oh my goodness, I, I can offer this to other women that there's a different way to experience infertility without being so without being caught so much in self-loathing, without the self-criticism, without the added suffering that we throw on top of an already difficult time. So, you know, as everyone finds out, uh, the journey to where you are is often very circuitous, takes a lot of winding turns. Um, but for me, it was a very personal journey to get to a point where it was like helping women to understand this is how we have kind of always done it. We've always made this a very personal attack on ourselves, but it doesn't have to be that way. So that's, that's one of my biggest pushes to help women understand, um, infertility can be done differently. Yes. So important to say that right at the outset and just listening to you now, Emily, it reminds me of when I first heard you speak, which must be at least a couple of years ago, I'm losing track of time right now with <laughs> everything we've been through in the world in the last few years. But we met on Clubhouse on the Clubhouse mm -hmm. app way back when we both were using that, that app, although I know we both reach people in different ways now and our podcasts and everything. Um, but I was in a room on Clubhouse and you were there. I think it was a room that you were leading. And as soon as you started speaking, just as you did then with such empathy, such connection and, and deep understanding, um, of the fertility experience I was hooked and I'm drawn into you know spending more time listening to you inviting you to my rooms and so on and and really wanting to get to know more about what you do because it isn't it's talked about yes the stress of infertility is talked about of course um, mm -hmm. and more now than it ever has before but we don't often kind of dive really deeply into the mind and how it can support us or how it can make things more stressful you know and, mm -hmm. and what we can do to harness that and how we can feel empowered. So oh, like I said at the start, I'm really looking forward to this <laughs> even more so. So yeah, let's start thinking of talking about um, the areas that you work with then. You mentioned grief and loss and trauma. Mm -hmm. um, it's vast, isn't it? You know, the whole experience of infertility. Yes. And it's so personal. I think that's the best word to use because my infertility experience, though it spanned many years, is very specific to my, me and my husband. There's not a, a, a journey that I've heard that is a, a copy, a carbon copy of an, another person's journey. Um, and and that, I, think that's, I think that's one of the most challenging things for people outside of infertility to understand is that while a lot of the things that we tell ourselves, a lot of the things that we think about ourselves and about our journey are very similar, right? We, we all have very similar internal dialogues. Um, what is different is how different everyone's journey is. Uh, I, I tell my clients, you're, you're probably not going to tell me something that I haven't, number one, heard from someone else or haven't told myself in general, um, during my own journey, but I know that your, your specific thing is very personal. So let's say you, let's say, take my situation. We have both male and female factor infertility. Now the female factor infertility 
it wasn't an issue with ovulation. Mine um, was, I had to have an ovary removed due to a large cyst that was continuing to develop. Um, so we could have conceived outside of IVF. In fact, we did, but my husband's male factor infertility really required us to pursue fertility treatments, right? Now, I still personalized that experience as I'm a failure, my body's a failure, even though medically I understood that there was, it was much more complex and much more dynamic. Mm. Now, a woman with PCOS or some sort of ovulation issue is going to have similar thoughts. I'm a failure. This is a failure. My body is failing me. I don't trust my body, right? So even though our stories don't overlap, the internal monologue, dialogue, conversation that we are having with ourselves fundamentally is always going to be down to self-worth. And that is kind of the crux of what I want women to understand. Just as you said at the very beginning about how infertility is very difficult, what I want people to understand is that infertility does not change the way that you think. It doesn't change how you think about yourself, doesn't change how you view yourself. Fundamentally, those thoughts have always been there. What infertility does is shine a giant spotlight on how you already function, how you already think. So if you are a perfectionist before infertility, what is going to probably happen is that it's going to exacerbate or increase your perfectionistic thinking, and thereby it's going to make it much more difficult for you to function because perfectionism, something like perfectionism requires you to make the exact right choice. But infertility, fertility treatments, fertility, it, there's no, there's not such a thing as the exact right choice. And so I think that's really important for people to understand is that these things didn't just come because you're now struggling to conceive. These things have always been there. So the type of coaching that I do, which is almost exclusively mindset coaching, I don't do a lot of strategy coaching. I definitely stay away from, um, you know, nutrition, things like that. What I want people to understand is that the things that we're going to work on, you can apply to literally every area of your life, all of your relationships, work, productivity, fertility. Um, I have a saying that all roads lead to Rome and how you do one thing is how you do all things. So whatever we're going to talk about, whatever we're going to work on, you're going to feel it reverberate through every area of your life, which I think is probably one of the most beautiful things. Um, and honestly, one of the things that attracted me to you with your EFT and tapping as well, because it's the same principle. We can use this stuff over and over and over because our brains are like, they're just giant habit loops in our brain. Um, so that's one of my favorite things about coaching. Mm, yeah, gosh. And it's, you don't want to sound like you're kind of um, trying to be all positive and, or being trite at all saying, you know, you will get such gifts from your fertility experience and you, you will gain something and it will change you for the positive. But we, we do see that every day, you know, and if someone that's mm -hmm. highlighted, you know, certain issues, certain struggles are highlighted because of the fertility struggles. And then you're right. Once you've learned within yourself what you need and you've learned your strategies and your ways of, you know, working with your thoughts, then it can't not have an impact on other areas of your life. So, yeah, I've, I've, I hear that frequently from women saying, you know, 
during my fertility journey, because I took control of that and got to know and learn, learn about myself at that time, then, you know, I also made positive changes in my work or my relationships or friendships as well. So it's, it has that ripple effect, doesn't it? Yes. All directions. Now you were talking about making choices there. Um, and also how every fertility experience is so different. You said there's no such thing as a carbon copy. And it's funny because when you were introducing yourself at the start and you were saying, oh, 10 year journey, primary and secondary, both male and female, I was like, tick, 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 that's me too. Yeah, we had that too. <laughs> right? <laughs> but then you said three children. I was like, well, we've got two. Um, and then you go into the detail of what actually it meant for you, the male and female and what treatment you had. And then I'm like, yeah, this is completely different. So right. you know, there's this, there's similarities um, in what we experience, but yeah, I don't think you'll ever find two people that have exactly the same steps, you know, that they go through and the same challenges that they face. And doesn't that make decision-making quite hard, you know, because you can't just kind of look to someone and say, well, you know, they had the same medical issues as me and that's what they did to get pregnant. So I'll follow that same path because no one else is mm. identical. So you can't say that the same solution would work for you or the same path would work for you. It's hard isn't yes. it, to make those decisions. And, and I think what, what is even more challenging is we want that blueprint. We desperately want it. I, I mean, take something as, um, I, I talk a little bit about the book, It Starts With The Egg. That is kind of a staple topic. If you go on any uh, fertility, infertility, trying to conceive IVF uh, Facebook group, it is often touted, you know, when someone's like, well, what supplement should I take or what should I do? In, invariably, inevitably, someone will say, you know, you need to read, it starts with the egg. Now I have no beef with um, the book or the author. I think that she did a tremendous job um, kind of uh, breaking down really complex information uh, into a, a more palatable, it's still a pretty complex book, but a more palatable way for people to understand the importance of certain types of supplements. But it really is a blueprint for what worked for her. And so what happens in the way that our brains work is that we kind of extrapolate that information and we make it mean, okay, so if I do this exactly the way that she said, if I throw out all of my, you know, plastic Tupperware, if I get rid of all of the scents and deodorants that I use, if I stick to this, you know, two fistfuls worth of supplements every single day, then I will absolutely have success. And because our brains are just wired for black and white thinking, our brains understand yes, no, right, wrong, true, false. Um, when there is more nuance, like fertility, infertility, there is mu it's much more dynamic. There are more things to take into consideration than just, um, you know, carcinogens or supplements, things like that. It really does create this environment of self-loathing because a lot of what she talks about might not be accessible or attainable for the average person, right? So the woman who wrote the book, I believe she was um, a chemist and she, she was a little bit what I would consider a higher socioeconomic status than many people. Perfectly fine. I have no, there's no problem with that. But 
to replace all of your plastic with glass or metal, that might not be accessible or attainable for someone who has literally saved every single penny or is working two jobs in order to afford IVF. Supplements are not cheap. So that might not be accessible or available to someone who is working two jobs for IVF or um, saving every penny. So I, and I think that what happens is if that is your blueprint, right? And I'm just using that as a really specific example. There are many blueprints that we use, um, but if you're using that as a blueprint, then it's very easy to step into self-loathing and self-criticism because I can't, oh, I can't get that. Then I'm not doing it right. There's something wrong with me and it's not going to work. And it's going to be my fault that it doesn't work. And so I think that that's, that is a big trapping that we get into um, with decision-making. We see someone else having success and we use it against ourselves. Yeah, I've, I've seen that a lot, actually, definitely. It's, um, I, and I almost think you want to kind of read these books and do your research and, you know, get all the, gain all this information and then kind of put your own filter on it as to, to you know, right. what is it I really need? What do my own test results tell me about myself and what can I afford and what is possible for me, you know? Um, but it's hard, isn't it? It's really hard when you're in that situation and all you want, you desperately want to have that baby and you would yes. do anything. Um, it's hard to kind of take that almost distance, you know, make a distance and take a step back and, and look at it more impartially when it's your own journey that you're in the middle of, you know, it gets very emotional, doesn't it? Yes. And I think that's what we, number one, I think we need to offer ourselves so much more grace and compassion than we do. Yeah. Like this is an, it's, it is very difficult, but it's also incredibly personal. So when we get in, in a situation where what we want is not happening, right? And then we're getting all these social and cultural messaging that it should be easy, right? We're at least in the, in the US, we're kind of taught just don't have sex period because the moment you have sex, you're gonna get pregnant um, as, as, as part of your health yeah. class when you're <laughs> you know, in high school or, or uh, below. And then that do, that's not your experience as an adult. You, you maybe have used birth control for a period of time and then all of a sudden you're stopping and it's not working. And so it very much butts up against this, this cultural and social expectation that you've had for what building a family looks like. And then all of a sudden, because of how our brains work, we're going to internalize that, internalize those experiences and make it mean something about us, right? So that's that's the biggest key when understanding how your mind works is that when you use, having a thought is not a problem. When you use your thoughts against yourself, when you use your thoughts to make something mean something about yourself, that's when it becomes really difficult to navigate. And that's where we get suffering. So to give you an example, um, a lot of women that I talk to have experienced loss of some sort, um, whether it was miscarriage or um, or something else. And oftentimes, because of our cultural perception of grief, that grief should be just kind of like a, a light switch flipping, like, oh, I'm over it now, right? And then when we learn, when we start to experience grief and we understand then that it's not linear, that grief doesn't have an on off, 
then we kind of make that mean, oh, I'm not doing it right. Like I can't even grieve properly. I can't move on the way people expect me to. And so that that's what I mean by when we make it mean something about ourselves, which often, because I'll, you know, again, it all comes down to self-worth. Oftentimes we make it mean that we're a failure or that we're not doing it right or that we're some horrible person. And so that's, that is kind of, if we, if I could insert anything into anyone, it would be grace and compassion because these are un, uncharted waters. Even after 10 years of infertility, my own journey, the last IVF round we did, I still had to do a lot of mindset work around making sure I under, I, I, I could really understand that if this didn't work because it had a very high probability, it wasn't going to, that it didn't mean that I was a failure. The process failed. I didn't. Um, and so, yeah, I, I have a saying on my podcast, compassion, compassion, compassion. That is the mantra for, for how I want all of my people to, to live and understand and just experience themselves. I love that. As soon as you said grace and compassion, my ears just pricked up because they're my, mm-hmm. my two favorite words as well, along with kindness towards ourselves. You know, we don't practice enough of that at all, for sure. And, and the fertility experience, it's a chance for us to practice that, isn't it? And to, yes. to make it normal and make it, you know, our go-to, it, it can be really challenging. But when you said there, the process failed, I didn't. I think that's so important to remember above all mm-hmm. else as well, you know. Um, this isn't something personal, this isn't something you've done wrong or failed at, or you could have worked harder at, you know, it's, it's, you, you've put everything in that you could, and then it's a matter to just to wait and see, isn't it, as to what will happen, it's, it's a tough one, for sure, which is why, you know, you're doing the work you do, um, and you've got your amazing podcast, I just want to talk about that for a moment, um, and the IVF This podcast, I listened to your most well as we're recording now one of your most recent episodes which was about asking better questions oh yes and there was one part there where you were talking about like what kind of good questions can I ask myself you know what would be questions that that would take my thoughts and my mind to a place that's supportive rather than yeah going down that path of feeling like a failure or whatever and there were a couple of questions that that stood out and I remember you said how can I empower myself and importantly as well how can I create connection with myself Mm -hmm. if we feel that connection you know you're going to treat yourself like your best friend aren't you you're going to be kind you're going to be compassionate you're going to give grace and forgiveness and all of those things but how can we get to the place where we even ask those questions you know that's the challenge isn't it how can we stop that more negative self-talk that's become habitual and talk to ourselves kindly and and treat ourselves kindly yeah so my rule of thumb is if the question doesn't have an answer then it's not going to be a helpful question so what i mean by that is let's take let's take very common questions during infertility why do things have to be this way? Mm-hmm. If you cannot articulate an answer that doesn't mean that you're a terrible person or that you're being punished, you're not going to get anywhere with that question. Like that question will just continue to linger. And um, I, I talk about this idea of clean versus dirty pain. And um, if, if you want some background on clean versus dirty pain, I have an entire podcast on it. Um, but the idea is 
there is pain in this world. It's inevitable. That's just kind of the price of being human. And then there's suffering and suffering is what we do ourselves on top of pain. So those questions, or why is this so hard? These are unanswerable questions. You're never going to, your brain asks questions because, and it, and it doesn't stop asking a question until it feels satisfied with the answer. Okay. That's, that is how our brains work with questions. So if you're asking a question, like, why is this so hard? You're not going to come up with an answer that will satisfy your brain enough to stop asking that question. And so if you, if the question is unanswerable, all that is that all that is going to lead to is continued suffering for yourself. So that's kind of the first like red flag moment that if you're circling and I'll, I'll give a couple more examples. Um, so why do things have to be this way? Why is this so hard? Uh, why doesn't anyone support me? Um, what would my life be like if I was finally a mom? Like these questions have, they serve no purpose except to make you feel worse, mm -hmm. right? It's not that your brain is being cruel to you. It's not that your brain is the enemy. This is just how the brain works, right? So what we want to do is take that question, right? Because there is pain underneath that question. So we want to acknowledge and honor that pain, but also give your brain something more productive to find. So why does this have to be so hard? This is hard. How can I make this easier on myself? What can I do to better take care of myself? Right? Maybe that's stop asking that question. <laughs> it can be that easy. Right? Um, why doesn't anyone support me? Right? Maybe people aren't supporting me in the way that I feel like I need to be supported, but how can I support myself, right? Where we are constantly looking for that external validation, that external support, but honestly, we're never satisfied with the thing that we're hungriest for. What we're hungriest for is taking care of and supporting ourselves. So how can I do that? It, it, it might be um, just reminding myself, hey, this is hard and it's okay. It can be hard. This is a really challenging time. Maybe I need to take a day off of work. Um, maybe I need to voice it to my partner or to my friends. Like, I want to be able to talk about this and you not feel like you need to fix it, right? I want to be able to, to share my pain with you and that be okay, right? So it's not, it, we want to make the questions much more about how we can support ourselves rather than kind of getting caught in this thought loop of unending unanswerable questions. That is so interesting. You know, as I was listening to you, Emily, I was feeling my mind and my body react differently to the different questions because it's kind of seductive, isn't it? When you're in a, when you're in a bad place, when you're feeling low, and you have every right to feel low and you can't imagine feeling any differently to go to those questions like why me why now when will this change you know and it just takes you deeper and deeper and it can be hard to to imagine that there's a a different way but as soon as right. you voice those questions you know I can feel the heaviness of those and as soon as you voice those other questions um you know what do I need right now and how can I best support myself and all those kind of questions I could feel the lightness immediately. I could kind of feel like a, 
um what's the word I'm looking for but like an interest like a curiosity around those it's yes. like oh, that, that feels good I want to follow that path you know rather than stay down here you know it feels very different and I think once yeah if we can start making those things a habit then it does start to become instinctive doesn't it and I know it's not you know a one-time fix like you you know shared just then about your trying for your third baby and how you needed to still do the mindset work around that IVF cycle and every time can feel like a new beginning can't it because we're in a different place and we've got different triggers and different thoughts um but it can become easier can't it with practice it's like you know exercising a muscle isn't it of of what questions am I gonna how am I gonna talk to myself what questions am I gonna ask of myself and if it feels good yeah can that become a, a new healthy habit really or more of the time maybe not 100% we're not talking 100% here are we but right. <laughs> but you know yes yeah in the future in fact i i actually tell my clients there's no such thing as 100% mind even tony robbins right the who we kind of think about when we think about life coaching mm-hmm. um even he doesn't manage his mind 100% of the time you can do tremendous things by catching yourself even 50% of the time. Yeah. Right. Because I, and, and this, this, this is always the message to my perfectionists. People, people don't actually make growth and changes through perfectionistic lens. It just doesn't happen. The, the real like meat of change and growth and evolution happens in about 1% intervals. So even if you take going to school in, in, in in the United States, we call it kindergarten. I, I'm not sure if you guys, what you guys refer to about primary school, I guess there. Um, so you don't know the same things that you do in early primary school that you do before you graduate high school, right? That it's, it's not conceivable because the growth and evolution that has to occur between six and 18, it's not feasible. So you learn it. 1% at a time. You don't, you, you learn your letters and then you learn, you know, uh, word sounds and then you learn reading. And then by the, by the time you're finished, you're, you're reading at college level, right? These changes happen gradually. And over time, perfectionism tell is a lie that tells you, you have to be good right from the out. But how many of us, when we were learning to walk, stood up and never fell again? None of us. I, I, I know when my babies were learning to walk, it was, it probably fell down 25,000 times <laughs> in the time before they were really steady on their feet. And, and babies didn't get mad at themselves. They don't tell themselves I'm doing it wrong or I'm a failure or anything like that. They just get back up because they're learning and they're evolving. And I think that that's something that is very much misunderstood as you become an adult that that these things are just supposed to happen. I'm just supposed to, to be good at this. Right. So even if you're, you know, I, I deal with IVF patients. So even if we're talking about, uh, someone learning to do injections, that is a big milestone for a lot of people to, to really understand and to learn. And so one of the unanswerable questions that people will ask themselves is like, how, how am I ever going to be able to give myself injections? Okay. That's that, that feels a very disempowering when I think that, right. You were talking about the response that you had to those questions in your body. In my body, I almost feel defeated already. 
But the answerable question is how can I learn, right? Will YouTube show me? Can I ask my doctor? Can I get a second demonstration, right? There are, there are ways to find out everything. We don't have to get lost in confusion or in those unanswerable questions that just feel terrible. Wow. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. I feel like creating this podcast episode with you today then has been part of that learning has taken us (laughs) another 1%, all us perfectionists out there. (laughs) Right. It's a constant journey, isn't it? And yeah, by listening today, all of you who've listened to our conversation, I hope this has sparked some ideas and some different ways of looking at things and, and things you can recognize in yourself that work for you and you know what, what you're already probably doing well, but perhaps you can do it more often as well. So that was amazing. Thank you, Emily. Really, really useful, really, really useful, tangible stuff that we can use. So thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. I'd love you to just tell everybody how they can follow you. We mentioned your podcast, the IVF This podcast. How else can we get in touch with you? So I'm on Instagram and Facebook at IVF This Coaching, and my website is www.ivfthiscoaching.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening. I'm so pleased you're listening to the Fertile Mindset podcast. And now I would love to invite you to join us in the Fertile Mindset Sanctuary. The Sanctuary is my fertility support membership, which is focused on taking care of you and helping you enjoy your life while you wait for your baby. In the Sanctuary, I'll guide you through using an amazing technique called EFT or tapping, and you'll soon be feeling less stressed and more joyful. If you're not already in the Sanctuary, do come and join us today because the best time to start receiving support on your fertility journey is always right now. Honestly, it makes such a difference to have good quality emotional support and techniques that you can pick up and use yourself whenever you need them. Go to fertilemindset.com sanctuary to join us today. I look forward to hopefully seeing you there and at the next episode of the Fertile Mindset podcast.